Hey folks, it's Natalie. You're listening to Critical Care, a show about games, community, and the reasons we play. This is episode 69, featuring writer, developer, and twine hacker Leah Case. Enjoy! I am Leah Case. I, by day, I'm a web developer, previously an editor. Been writing for 10 years, making games for five years, and my pronouns are she, her. Yeah, so great to have you on the show. As we sort of <laughs> figured out eventually, I, I think I found your work through the Queer Games Bundle. Um, you had a game on there called Life's a Genesis, maybe the one that most of the listeners on here will have played um if not you probably already own it and maybe we'll dive into that a bit more uh, like you said you've been making games since 2018 um and you've put out quite a few of them uh in that time and uh mostly or maybe exclusively using twine as the main engine um which i've always been quite a fan of uh, and i was really impressed with sort of the ways that you managed to hack it to do things that i don't think that twine was necessarily made for or i i can't actually imagine how exactly you did it um so before we dive into kind of any of the any of the specific games you've made um i kind of wanted to ask a bit more about your background in games but also specifically what drew you to twine and kind of how you've approached that as like your main engine i suppose over these years it's mostly happenstance at this point. Um, I originally came across it in like 2016, 2017, because my friend and often collaborator, Sunny, uh, was using that to make some games with one of her own friends. And I was just like, oh, games that are easy to make? That's cool. But I looked at it and I started using like the default format and went, ooh, this doesn't make any sense, actually. <laughs> variables hooks i don't know what any of this means so i dropped it but about another year or two later in 2018 when i was having i don't know an existential crisis about what i was doing with my creativity you know my friend was still making twine games i thought ah you know what i'll give it another go and so i i went and got back into it because it just seemed like as far as things go my friend was able to give me a sample project you know or not even a sample project like a game she'd actually released and so I just kind of looked at that and then just started making something of my own where I just took a short story I had and just threw it into the engine. And honestly, I never expected to make a second game in it. Um, I did it for fun, but then I finished. And at some point the following summer, that summer when I released that game, I applied for a writing career mentorship program that was done through the SFWA, the Science Fiction Writers Association. And I mentioned in my application to that because I figured it'd make me look, you know, more serious about things that I had released a game. Ended up getting matched with someone who was an editor at an interactive fiction publisher, Choice of Games, and went, okay, well, I guess I should at least do one more. Otherwise, this, this guy's going to think I'm a bit of an asshole. <laughs> And uh, I made one more. I made uh, my second game. And at that point, it was, yeah, I was kind of I was kind of stuck into it because I I just thought it was, yeah, I thought it was a cool engine. And 
I found there was a good amount of resources available on the internet, both from people who had, you know, done a lot of the specific common things I was interested in, and because since it's web-based, anything that isn't specific to the engine, you can still usually find an answer for. Because one, you're not that original, at least when it comes to internet UI. You know, there's a bajillion people have asked about before. And so that's been honestly the biggest reason why I just keep going with Twine, because it's just like when I would try and Google something to find out uh, how to do something in RemPy, I would end up in all these rabbit holes of very old and not very satisfactory forum posts. And that was about it, because you can't really search for Python help. Um, you can, but it's but it's only helpful on like the low programmatic level rather than I want to make a fun UI where I can, you know, have a texting system or something. So I, I just did Twine. Then every time I went back, I went, oh, I want to do something new. I want to do something interesting because most of what I like about making games is the problem solving. Sometimes projects will peter out for me because I uh, run out of interesting things to program in them. I'll be like, well, I made the whole system. Do I need to finish the game? Uh, who cares? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think that answers most of the question, though. I've forgotten the entire genesis at this point. No, no, that definitely does. To kind of give listeners, uh, I guess, an idea of kind of what I, I mean when I talk about breaking uh, or hacking Twine, um, like your most recent game, A Political Marriage, which I think we'll talk about more later on kind of has its own like texting interface built into the typical like twine conversation flow it has like also like a branching kind of quest tree um and then some of your older games have like moving ui elements to sort of tell you where you are on the map um just very very interesting stuff having played quite a few twine games and sort of they kind of have a very particular style and sort of structure which i think is is just because of how the tool is designed and Mm -hmm. um sort of it just mostly lends itself to linking a bunch of hyperlinks together which is also is is cool but i'm always surprised when people are able to make it do things that does not seem like like my my understanding of twine is basically the equivalent of like building flowcharts, and that's about how far how far it goes. I mean, I find it's a it's a good framework, and you can just kind of bounce off of it from there because, like, at its most basic, especially if you're not a programmer, you don't really have desire to be a programmer, or even do a lot of HTML and CSS. It's going to have a specific look because you know mm-hmm. that's that's what it gives you out of the box. But I always end up having like really specific ideas. And I also have very specific problems with Twine games, which is that I don't have the attention span to read giant walls of text. And when I see a link, I want to click it. <laughs> so my games are usually trying to make up for my own shortcomings when it comes to playing text games. You know, so a political marriage, uh, I tried to think, okay, how do I have a very text heavy game, but where you're still like engaged and you're not. Uh, like your eyes aren't glazing over or you aren't clicking ahead too fast. I spent so much time figuring out like the the right size of text boxes and when to split into multiple over multiple lines just because I wanted to kind of pull people along rather than, you know, getting lost in the middle of a page. Mm-hmm. It is funny that you mention RenPy, or I guess maybe not funny, but uh, it makes sense having played a political marriage and how that game is kind of integrating like visual novel style conversations 
into a twine engine, sort of sort of reverse engineering what you might uh, kind of get out of the box with Rimpy. Yeah, I'm really bad at using the available resources. Like I'll usually find code to do like very very specific things. Mm. Uh, but when it comes to like large scale systems, I honestly, I really like to make them myself because it makes it easier for me to use. Because if I don't understand something from the ground up, I feel like I don't understand it at all. And so when I built it from the ground up, it makes it a lot easier for me to work with. And mind you, the uh, the uh, political marriage system is, oh boy, it's that's like my honestly, it was actually my first big foray into like complex JavaScript. Um, and so it got rewritten like two or three times in major ways just in the development of that game because you know I'd, I'd be like oh wait I can do this way better now and uh, yeah I, I did the sort of rempi thing but because I don't have an I don't have an art budget and I didn't want to be harassing people for uh, free art or you know just having obligatory art for my game I found that. I want to design an interface that was, like I said, would draw you along with all the text, um, but wouldn't have to rely on a lot of visuals. Like if I was to use Rempi, because in Rempi, you know, I'd, you know, the text box is just in the bottom of the screen, and the rest of that is your characters and your background. And I certainly can't be animating these characters and stuff. And so, friend and frequent collaborator Sunny uh, made all my character sprites for me. Uh, so that I could just have faces beside the text, and I and I just got some general backgrounds from another friend, Spruce, uh, so that I could give the vibe. But mostly, you're focusing on the text, and that's more or less why I came to that sort of weird middle ground. Yeah, it's it's interesting to hear you talk about it because, in, in the one hand, it's like it sounds very pragmatic or efficient in terms of like what you have available. But then on the other side is also like building a bunch of stuff from the ground up. So it's kind of interesting, I guess, to be sort of seeing like, I guess, how you sort of your skill set sort of which elements are will be built from scratch versus which ones you sort of like designing around or designing to be like more more what you have at hand, which I, I know is kind of, I guess, what uh what most <laughs> creators or game developers do but it feels like it, it often goes in the opposite direction to where the sort of the technical side is more the limiting factor um so it's kind of it's an interesting to hear sort of the opposite approach with with a lot of your games i have this bad habit of anytime uh especially someone i'm working with anytime they suggest me a feature i don't say no um <laughs> Which, you know, because I'll come up with an idea and either I want I want to I want to achieve it to the level that I feel like you're not distracted by it being like not as good as it should be. Um, so I either want to do it all the way or I don't want to do it at all. <laughs> you know, so that, you know, it's like the political marriage. I wanted to feel like not like I tried to recreate Rempi in a browser and did it, you know, not so OK. Uh, obviously, there's degrees of success, but I think, you know, in general, you know, it's being its own thing i've had people uh other game developers who thought i made a political marriage in rent or in unity and some of my other games i've been asked if i made them in unity i was like no terrible news they were all in fine <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i don't think i would know if i had not sort of read the the credits yeah definitely definitely recommend people at least, even if you're 
if you're not like huge on on tax games, uh, definitely recommend poking around these just to sort of see see uh, how they're constructed because they're quite interesting just in terms of like making making like games in in straightforward engines and sort of the ways you can take those in different directions. Like I said, I think it's a nice little middle ground because if you want to like do fancy stuff in Unity, like make something like a political marriage in Unity, I think you would have to have a a far far greater like programming and game development knowledge than I had going in to achieve the same result. And you would have a way more unwieldy program. You know, it wouldn't be web based. It'd probably be like a freaking gigabyte or two to get that game made versus just doing it with web technologies and uh you know it kind of works itself out and and twan made a good framework especially sugarcube which is the format i use is really powerful and doesn't try and prevent you from doing most things yeah that's that's definitely true there's like quite a quite a larger barrier to entry to something like unity even if theoretically it's designed to be sort of support more the stuff that are like a more elaborate uh game uh, before we move on from the from the engine talk, I am I'm curious if you've ever considered branching out into other engines, or if like there's aspects of other engines that you've looked at and have been just like I'm just gonna build this <laughs> into Twine. I'm thinking specifically of stuff like like Ink um, from the Inkle uh, team, which is I think sort of similar in in construction to Twine, but more has sort of more of the variable stuff built in. And I think there's sort of a couple other engines similarly that are primarily text-based i don't know if you've looked at any of those most of the engine especially early on when i uh was kind of like figuring out the space um i never used ink i looked at it but i never used it i uh just because like twine was what i knew twine was what people i knew were using and i think as i said before uh there's a lot of available resources and I I have a bad habit of not really liking to go out and like ask questions on the internet. I love answering them, but I don't like being the one asking them. And so I uh, and so I and so Twine, like I said, just had the uh, area that was that was easiest for me to just keep finding the information I needed. And I have used even other like non-text engines, like I've. I have made two prototypes in Godot. I've done two prototypes in Unity, and I think I once tried Game Maker, though I never uh, wasn't a fan of it. I have ended up usually bringing back what I've learned to Twine because uh, <laughs> it, it's it's funny, but it, it's it's because I, I, it, I learned a couple things, especially uh, when I was working with Unity. I wanted to make a sort of fun like action RPG uh, thing. And I learned a lot about, you know, just even the broad strokes of what goes into movement and sprite rendering and these sort of things. And so I brought it back to Twine. And while none of these games are out yet, I've been experimenting with uh, my own sort of essentially just 2D rendering engines in in Twine. And it's it's gone kind of unconscionable, the things I'm doing. But uh, I'm having a lot of fun doing it uh, because... Yeah, it's, it was very interesting to learn. I tried to use an actual like web-based 2D uh, or engine called Phaser. I don't know if you know Phaser, but it's essentially just a, a tool to make web games that you know actually have graphics and stuff. You know, almost sort of like a Flash game, except you know JavaScript and the like. And 
I started using it for because I thought the next game I made it'd be smarter to do that if I'm gonna have stuff like collision and and you know characters and all these other sorts of things. But then I found I just I I I, I was not a fan. I was not a fan. I could not get into it. And so instead, I just went back and implemented it all in Twine. Yeah, it's it's funny talking to developers who are stuck with like a very specific kind of I guess theoretically like constrained engine and then sort of have uh, sort of like over time built it out into like to fit their own needs and like the things that they're interested in and it kind of feels similar to the way like artists might gravitate to like a specific type of uh, like instrument like oh I really like to only use like colored pencils or oil paints or something like like there's like it's like almost your your canvas in a way even apart from like the type of games you're making it's like the the tool itself has like a specific affect and and like way of influencing like what you make and what's like interesting about making the games uh which is not something i have really considered that much before it's nice too because it's also I think it's also really nice to collaborate because um, often when I will work with my friend, I'll let my friend do a lot more of the uh, writing stuff. And then I'll just focus on programming whatever silly system we've decided that I'm going to make for this game, which means that and because Twine, you know, has this nice little passage format, even when we go, move away from the Twine editor into Twee files and stuff, um, it's still it still can be quite easy for, um, you know, uh, my collaborators to implement stuff because it's because it more or less looks like just a text document, you know, and then you just type things in. You don't have to do any fancy code. Um, but if they do know a little bit about programming, they can add that in themselves uh, versus, you know, if I was using crazy interface like Unity or even some other game engines, you know, that aren't Twine and that aren't built for being text heavy, you'd have to be you know, either have some sort of external editor like Yarn or something, or you'd have to just go and hand write some JSON files, <laughs> uh, which uh, certainly not the thing I want to be doing either Mm-mm. by hand converting it from stuff I'm given or making someone I'm working with do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, sounds like sounds like uh, my own personal hell. I I know I just, I just keep saying well, we'll move on from the engine stuff, uh, but I did actually. I uh, want to ask uh, briefly about uh, Sugar Phone, which uh, I believe you released alongside a political marriage to kind of, as, as I understand it, it's like the element of that game, which allows you to have kind of like a texting system within Twine. Uh, and I was just curious if you could sort of talk about like what that is and sort of uh, how you approach kind of like releasing like a, a tool that you've you've used like on your own and if you've heard from anyone who's been using it yeah i think i was thinking about releasing that right back when i started making it because i you know i want to do this like quote i say live texting which essentially just means you know texting where the you see each message as it comes and you can engage with it and you can actually have branching conversations because I think because I've personally I, I I was always seeing Twine developers saying that announcing that they're going to have a like a texting system or a phone system, either as like a hub or a menu or something implemented in their game. And then I'm have almost never seen them ever actually be implemented. 
which is because from a technical standpoint, it's not super easy. I think anyone who's dedicated to it can figure it out. But I also think most people who are super dedicated are usually in an engine that's more complex to begin with. So you had that sort of like weird selection of who's building stuff for the tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I released the game. I think it still took a year or two before I had time to sit down and actually extract parts of the system to release because I left my editing job because I wanted to, you know, do things that were more interesting and also could pay for Toronto rents. And I decided to use that time to, you know, improve my programming skills and just make something cool for people to use. And so I went for Sugar Phone. And it it basically looks nothing like the original code that exists in a political marriage. Functionally, it still more or less does the same stuff. But I kind of thought, I was like, okay, what would someone making a Twine game that wants to use this texting system need out of this? Um, Practically, that keeps it usable by the people who use Twine, which is to say people who don't have extensive um, knowledge and who may not even want to touch JavaScript or CSS themselves. Um, You know, how do I make that accessible to them? While also having it similar to the SugarCube format be moderately extensible and modifiable to someone who could have made it themselves, but doesn't want to go through the effort and want just Google Twine phone system. And so I went about doing that. It actually took me a few months to polish it all together. Half of it was just writing the documentation. And then the other half was getting the system into a place where I felt that it was easier to understand and use and, uh, yeah, I've, I I thought it was a lot of fun to make, and I want to follow up by releasing the visual novel system, but I haven't gone around to that. But yeah, I've had a couple people uh, who seem quite interested, though I haven't gone out of my way to see if anyone's using yet, it yet. I would love to hear if anybody's uh, been using it um, in any of the released projects. But I think it's only been, I guess it's been more than half a year now, but... You know, I'm certain there might be a work in progress or two that's using it. Yeah, because I, I, I just thought it was the kind of thing that people would use. And I like to make stuff. <laughs> yeah, I if you're listening to this and you're using uh, Sugarphone, tweet at me or, or at, at Leia. Uh, I'd, I'd be interested to, to check it out as well. Um, I think texting games are quite cool. It'd be very exciting um, as someone who likes to play these games if it was something that was more accessible to to developers so uh switching gears a little bit uh from from just talking about uh your engine work um and into some of your games specifically i haven't had a chance to play play all of them because you have put out uh quite a few but i i did a a, a pretty good i don't know charcuterie board of, of, of different <laughs> different uh games and uh what sort of stood out to me um throughout them as far as sort of like the content of the game is how a lot of them uh, sort of deal with themes around like self-sacrifice, um, sort of like a social duty or like a, a social role needing to be fulfilled. And sort of the protagonists often like, struggling with their insecurities uh, therein. Thinking specifically of games like Twenty One or Leaving Twenty One Fifty Three, which is sort of about someone who is aboard a, a one-way trip uh, to the sun, or uh, sort of for elaborate sci-fi reasons um <laughs> and sort of uh sending messages at a 
a, a very uh, sort of sporadic um, and, and accelerated pace um, back home, uh, or or the what we've mentioned before, political marriage, which is kind of about uh, two teenage princesses trying to have their own agency while also having these political factions um, warring around them. And then uh, San Francisco 2118, which is uh, sort of a prequel of sorts to to leaving and also follows like a scientist character sort of trying to figure out uh, exactly how to approach this sort of existential threat. And what was interesting about that is sort of like the way that the themes and the narratives often position this very like constrained or like sort of sensation of being trapped in a specific path um, while the games often sort of like invert that and and sort of have, you know, multiple endings, different ways to sort of interact with an encounter, sort of really play up the uh, sort of interactive branching elements of them. And I was sort of just curious to talk a bit about kind of how you approach writing these, these branching narratives, um, sort of how you, what it is that you find interesting about the ability for interaction fiction to sort of allow for the story to go in this many directions. And in the case of something like a political marriage to have kind of lots of variables at play that you can kind of play around with um, that you obviously wouldn't have the same affordances in like a book or another sort of linear piece of media. And in addition to that, there's kind of like specific touchstones that you feel like have influenced your work in that regard. I started making games um, because I didn't know, like, how do you make a game? What is a game? Um, You know, or like, how do I go about writing a story for one? And so the way I got into it, and still about half of my released games have been this way, uh, where they're based on short stories I've written. Um, My very first one was like a two, three thousand word short story, um, became a 40,000 word game. San Francisco 2118, similarly, I think was... A couple thousand words. I think it was like somewhere between five and ten thousand. And it ended up being, I think, 25 or 30 as a game. And similar with other ones. And the funny thing is, is that the stories that have turned into good games for me were stories that, as short stories, I never had satisfying endings for. Like, the my very first one, I, I really liked it, but I thought of it, like, for years and years, I kept just coming back, and I was just like, this ending just feels like Bleh, obligatory you know mm-hmm. because i because i had these themes and similarly san francisco you know i had these themes of you know what the characters were doing what they were feeling but then you have to drill it all down and come to one single conclusion and i've always been really averse as a writer to sort of prescribing things it's a little give and take because i also both believe that you should kind of commit to something commit to the bit uh but i've I've always had a tough time sort of figuring out where to nail that down and the the great thing about making games then is that when i get to points that i feel that for the overall like themes of the game that the player needs to have input then i can just start adding branches there or um things that will influence the later narrative of the game um, because I'll just be like, oh, this is a great moment. Yes, they should have they should have a say in this because I feel like if it if I just keep railroading them down this path, even if I expected to, it would feel disingenuous and would kind of 
you know, pulled it back from what I was trying to do with the story. And so, like, I think I had a lot of fun with that, you know, with San Francisco, because that's a game where it it starts with the ending. You already know, you know, how things turn out in that game. Uh, The character's mother is dead uh, and she feels pretty bad about it in varying shades. And so really all you get to have a control over is kind of how you feel about it. And I I find that something I come back to a lot because I personally, I also hate game overs in games. They make me annoyed and I'll usually won't come back to a game if I get a game over. Um, that's personal. I don't think you shouldn't. But uh, so I don't like writing game overs into my games, which then means every path needs to have its own story. Because otherwise it's going to feel obligatory. Um, so it either has to do something I really like or do nothing at all. Um, but I've always had the sort of point of view in my head, you know, that the world is a big, crazy place that's really, really tough to engage with sometimes. But I always had the mantra going back to like grade 10 that if I have con- I don't have control over anybody else, I just have control over myself. And so I think, you know, when I was looking, I was just like, oh, do I have themes in my games? Self-sacrifice, social duty? But I think I think that kind of fits in with, you know, that I I think that your own actions are sort of first and foremost what you have control over. And sometimes that's advocating for yourself. Sometimes that's exiting a situation, whatever it is. But, you know, the other other people aren't player controllable characters, so we don't have a lot of say on that. And so I usually have stories that are about characters first um, and then what about whatever the hell is happening in the world second. Uh, because if I didn't have someone to interact with it, then there wouldn't be wouldn't be all that interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. It it sounds like the branching narratives almost gives you permission to like have more ambiguity about like how the story actually ends, or like ha- allow multiple things to be true at the same time. Because f- from what I'm understanding, and obviously I haven't seen all the different endings for. <laughs> for uh most of your games um but it seems like there's not like like a a true ending in the way that Mm -hmm. you know a lot of games will have like you know this this is the bad end or this is the the good end or the the true end or what have you absolutely i i don't think i've ever had like a, a a quote true end to the game to a game because i i don't like it when i finish something that i invested time in and i feel like i got I got second best, you know, I, I, I want to get to the end of a story and feel like I got the story that I was playing. And so having and you know, the paths can be different lengths. They can be different emotions, different vibes, but they should all follow from the choices someone has been making. And, you know, you should get to the end and be like, oh, wow. Yeah, that does. That was a story, a story I got to tell to myself with the actions I made. You know, and I'm not particularly good at like RPGE balancing or even like, you know, like doing those sort of like romance, you know, like get your points, affection points up. I can't really do that kind of stuff because uh, I instead I just struggle endlessly with trying to quantify what I internally feel is a is the right point for a narrative to branch or a choice to be made. And then finding the way I can programmatically represent that as a... Every time I'm trying to name a variable, I'm just like, oh, what do I call this? 
It's like what 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 feeling am I invoking here? It's uh tough, but it's it's fun because I usually have an endpoint I'm working towards, and then it's just the way people can go about getting there. That is, um, you know, that the flexibility comes from, you know, like a political marriage, um, not to be huge spoilers, but it's always going to end in a marriage. Oh, it's right there in the title. So it's right there in the title. And I don't I don't want to give you a game over of finding love. It's just like, have fun, have fun with it. But the ways you get there are different. And the per- perspective you see it from is different depending on which princess you're playing from. And so I just kind of went about the ways that people could tell themselves this story and have fun with it, you know, so that if something wasn't vibing with them, they could, you know, follow the other path, make the different choices, you know, because it's just, just wanted to be fun and engaging rather than trying to find the secrets or the right, right versus wrong thing to do in a game. Yeah, it it is kind of like just actually like, like a branching story um, in a way that I feel like, a lot of games are maybe a little hesitant to to fully commit to um because they kind of want to have that like like the canon like fully developed ending mm-hmm. so they kind of it, it feels like I, I frequently play a lot of uh, games that sort of like hedge their bets and sort of converge to to one end um sort of like allow you to make sort of like small deviations like to the left and side but like Maybe this is just also a scope thing. Um, you know, you have different sort of factors at play, but uh, it's interesting to sort of play something like like San Francisco uh, twenty one eighteen that, like you said, does not have like a, a canon good ending, and sort of the the feeling of playing that to where it is like there isn't like a a, a destination necessarily, or like like playing it again is isn't like a way to like undo something bad that happens or like you know, not necessarily like min-maxing, like I'm going to put all my points in the, I don't know, in the the apocalypse tree or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, give all my points to the sun. Uh, It is really just sort of following down different paths of the story to see how things maybe could have done different, which I find interesting just as like a a form of of writing interactive fiction um, that I think is is sort of hard to to fully commit to because it is, pushes against like i think a lot of the ways that all that most players come to games to sort of find their way to the end well i've found that like in one of the you know the sort of standard twine formats or formats in terms of how people usually will have their games you know you know you're in a room there's a there's a desk there's a lamp there's two doors um you know almost like sort of parser style games that like you know, where you get to interact with the environment, you have to find the clues and that stuff. And while I've, like, kind of flirted with that at times, I have I can never do that, because, again, it's either you have to really, really, really dig into it deep, and, be, like, you know, like people doing full-blown parser games, you know, where you're typing text into, you know, like, pick up hat, which is, of course, its own massive undertaking. Or I think you have something that that can feel either frustrating if everything is too obscure or just a a lot of obligatory link clicking which i also don't like it's like all right i gotta check the dresser so i can get the note so i can go do this other thing and which means that ultimately i all every time i'm writing a story i keep coming back to 
it's essentially just the emotional beats that I'm giving people control over because I don't want I don't want it to be doing those little you know finding searches. I'm not particularly even good at puzzles, and uh, and I'm not doing anything you can min max, which then means all I have left if I don't want to just go write a normal linear story um, is to is to give people control over the emotional narrative. Uh, and and so that's how that's how I kind of always ended up back there. Of course, when I get to collaborate with a different writer, I can make that all their problem, and I don't have to worry <laughs> about it. I just implement their systems, and they can make decisions about how people feel and what they're doing. But uh, when I'm in control, that's usually what I have to do. Yeah, d- definitely thinking about like the Twine games I've played that have been like the most impactful to me. It is the ones where the sort of even if it's not necessarily branching, but like the the interactions, the hyperlinks are very contextually like significant. It almost feels like you're taking like a magnifying glass and focusing in on like one aspect of the story, or like like you'll be reading through a page and like you open like a a flap on the page, and now there's like a whole another paragraph that tells you about like one character or something. But I I think that's kind of it's it's a hard thing to to sort of be able to execute that particularly well, I found, or at least a lot of the Twine games I find tend to use hyperlinks in a, in a much more just sort of functional way of just sort of linking two passages together. Maybe they'll even put just like a next button at the bottom, um, mm-hmm. like you're turning a page, which I, th- I think kind of leaves, leaves a, a lot on the table in terms of like how the, the interaction itself can convey something as you're interacting with the story can kind of have its own affect that is more than just progression, but can actually make you really focus in on a specific passage or think about like which of, of two sort of sentences you want to narrow in on. Um, Especially if there's sort of an ambiguity about, you know, if you can actually like come back to the other ones, um, if you can like rewind the game, which I think is something that uh, a lot of your games are, are quite successful at because they do have like that, like focusing out on the emotional beats more so than just the the plot progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to kind of quickly switch gears once again, um, since you mentioned sort of your collaborators a few times, I did want to ask about this before we before we or we we run out of time. Um, in addition to your own games, you are also part of. A snotworm, which, uh, as I understand it, is sort of a a trio of developers uh, out of Toronto, and yeah, I just kind of wanted to know a bit about kind of what what snotworm is, um, and sort of how it uh, how it differs from your own work, or like sort of what what your role in it is, how how sort of you approach it versus like writing your own games is. Typically, the what happens to games when uh, me and two of my friends, uh, Sonny and Allison, get together and make something. Allison is a really, really good animator and um, and artist, and so she's she's done games that not or done art for games that isn't just in Snotworm, like Lysogenesis. The um, there's the uh, astronaut art in there that she did. 
though that was a collaboration between uh, me and Sunny primarily. And and usually when we're doing Snotworm stuff, it'll usually because Sunny has an idea for a game like Baby or um, Good Dungeon, and we'll and it's usually it's, yeah, it's usually like steeped in like her fun vibes, uh, which is something I've always tried to. I was just like, man, that's fun because I you know I I think my games have a certain tone uh, to them, though sometimes I try and switch it up. But uh, you know she has always written a lot of what. Uh, she calls junk fantasy, um, <laughs> which I think brings a lot of uh, a lot of fun to it. And so when we go there, we end up doing stuff like that. And there's a lot of half finished projects under that name. Like we we currently have you know secret stuff under the ways, but uh, usually it's usually it's vibes of how it ends up with Snotworm. It's is it two to three of us involved, and is it vibes um, versus if it's Closer to what my games usually feel like, which is, yeah, usually those, um, y- you know, emotional, uh, like, you know, text heavy, emotional beat stuff. Uh, then it usually ends up with mine because Sunny actually has a gift for brevity, which I usually do not have. Yeah, I, I poked around a bit in Good Dungeon uh, prior to this call, and it is, it is quite different um, from all of your work, partially because it is a it is like a a top down dungeon crawler um somehow also still built in twine from what i understand yeah it is ugly under the under the covers in inexplicable to me um how how or maybe even why you would you build a dungeon crawler in twine but uh yeah has has some pretty cool art and and i haven't poked around bappy though it seems seems like there's is a a desire for more from the comments i i read yeah, it's been on indefinite hold because of the <laughs> trials and tribulations of we started when I just finished university and I believe one of my friends was yeah, Allison was finishing university. I think Sunny was doing less actual game writing work because Sunny actually does game writing work, you know, with other companies during as for a day job. Uh, so finding the time to come back to these things is tough. And the fact that I am now hyper-specialized in Twine makes uh, Baby, which is in um, which is in Rempi, mm-hmm. um, a tough thing to uh, sort of mode switch back into. So probably the ne- next thing that might come out of Snotworm would be a another weird Twine thing, though. Baby Twine Edition? <laughs> I've thought about it. I've I I have floated the idea to my friends about me completely rebuilding it in Twine, because I did in fact recently recreate a uh uh what should I call it uh an actual more fully fledged Rempi style visual novel engine for Twine, <laughs> because I'm a fool and I love my fool's <laughs> errands. It's it's funny. It's it's like the uh, the trend of like ps1 d makes of of triple a games but you're doing you're doing twine makes of, i guess your own games or it's the the dark souls twine make yeah i'm gonna make doom and twine <laughs> don't don't give me the idea mm-hmm. well well cool before before uh unleashing any more uh bad ideas um where uh where can people sort of find you and your work if they want to want to keep up with what you're doing in, in twine where are you on the internets 
I'm honestly not super on the internet, but I try to be enough that if people are following me, they can know when something's coming up. Because <laughs> usually it's in, not until something's coming up that I will be posting much about it because I like to make systems and then forget about the games. But people can find me. I am lc3.itch.io, just three letters, lc3. And then my Twitter is Leah the Case, you know, L-E-A-H-T-H-E-C-A-S-E, all those fun letters. And that's mostly where I post about what I do. We also have Snotworm, which I think might have its own socials. Um, Snotworm is on itch at snotworm.itch.io. That's that's a worm with a U to be whimsical, I guess, and for the SEO. Um, and otherwise, I think I'm mo- I'm pretty logged off. That's a that's a good way to be. I, I recommend it. Uh, any anything to uh, to tease or promote? Um, I know you you said you like to to make projects and forget about them, or or make tools and forget about the games. Uh, but anything in the pipeline you want to hint at? Yeah, I am working on on the on this secret one that is built in Twine. It has, as I said, a it has Rempai style actual visual novel interactions, um, you know, with full sprites and everything, and as well as a um, 2D RPG sections. Um, with I'm currently experimenting with getting a sort of how do I describe it? strategy action battle system which will be fun sort of like (laughs) somewhere between deck building and um action strategy so uh that'll be fun to do that in twine uh and hopefully (laughs) i'll have that out at some point i mean i i will never commit to when this would be out but i'm hoping to at least have a good prototype of the system this year wow okay well uh godspeed on that uh because i (laughs) you know sounds even even more uh of a ridiculous endeavor in in twine but uh seems like you you know more about it than i do (laughs) by by several margins um so we'll keep an eye out for that uh and yeah to close the show out uh just to kind of counteract all the terrible shit uh that happens every day um on social media specifically i like to sort of close the show out with something cool or interesting or inspiring um the guest likes to share uh can be literally anything if you have something that you'd like to sort of shout out to close us out i mean i just like i always like to shout out books i love to shout out audiobooks i honestly spend a lot of my day listening to audiobooks because and especially last year i've been trying to get into some new stuff because i sometimes i'm a serial re-listener and uh, i was listening to a new author and just every now and then i'd have just these moments where there'd be like a sentence or a paragraph of not like, you know, profound philosophy or anything, just these little moments where I'm just like, wow, that sounds like something I'd say or something I'd <laughs> think, but I haven't had the chance to yet. And someone else did it. And it's just like this nice little fitting in with somebody else that I don't quite ex- always expect to happen, even when I'm enjoying something that honestly to me is just such a fun experience and this is also a year that i've had more and more people like every now and then you know saying that about them getting that feeling for my games and that's been wild to have uh you know it's it's 
so nice when you're just like, ah, I found the person this was made for. And it's nice when you also find that you're the person something was made for. I'm so happy that people make things. That's my hope in the world. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any specific titles or authors you want to shout out that you particularly into right now? I've been, I spent the last year reading more or less every book by uh, an author called CJ Cherry. She's a sci-fi author and fantasy. She's been writing since the 70s. Um, so quite a lot of books. And a lot of them are, I think, have characters that I, I find really interesting because they're essentially just like really motivated problem solvers uh, mm. in very like socially and politically driven like interactions. So even when you're having like giant spaceships shooting at each other, it's usually down to characters to resolve problems between one another uh you know through social dynamics which i find very interesting because i'm always just like how do we do those things but anyways (laughs) i i I can't start talking too much about it or i won't stop well yeah i'm I'm not familiar uh with them so i'll definitely definitely look that out I'm, i'm trying to to get back into reading some more and always always down for some good some good political sci-fi Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Uh, I will uh, avoid uh, <laughs> launching you into a into a tangent about about cool authors. But it was uh, speaking of which, it was very nice to get a chance to talk to you. Thanks again for coming on the show. I'm going to continue to to poke through your backlog of games because there's still a few that I'm quite interested in in playing, and very excited for this upcoming absurd uh, date game that you've been teasing. I'll definitely keep an eye out for it. I'm hoping I might, if I find the time, make something small and weird in the meantime as well. But <laughs> we'll see how it all shakes out. Have a good one. Critical Care is produced by me, Natalie, with music by Desired. You can find Desired on Bandcamp at desired.bandcamp.com. I'm on Twitter at Boo, it's Natalie. And you can keep up with everything critical related at critical.com. If you'd like to help keep the lights on, consider supporting the show on coffee. Until next time, take care, and thanks for listening.